Hello and welcome to the Save the Water podcast. From Michigan to California and Ontario to Florida, water pollution has devastated communities across North America. Save the Water is a U.S.-based nonprofit organization identifying harmful chemicals in North American waters and informing communities on the dangers of water pollution. In this podcast, we will interview professionals and advocates in the water industry to further understand how they prevent and combat water issues and how we can contribute to the solutions at home. So without further ado, my name is Kylie and let's dive in. Today we are talking with Constantina Aparagis. She is a project environmental scientist with a master's degree in environmental management and a background in geology. Hi, Kylie. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be on Save the Waters podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. So I work for Geosyntech Consultants. We are a consulting and engineering firm that works with the private and public sector um, to help clients address any complex problems that involve our environment, natural resources, and civil infrastructure. That's interesting. So what are some of the natural resources that you work with? A very large portion of our practice is dedicated to groundwater. Actually, quite a bit. Um, Water is such an important aspect of our everyday life that it's really important that we protect it. And when it becomes contaminated with certain chemicals or pollutants, that we manage them. Um, So a lot of our work deals with solving those problems on how to address problems with the environment in everyday society. So for some of our listeners, actually most I would gather, groundwater is a word that they've heard before, but might honestly not understand. I know it wasn't until I went to school and hey, me neither. about water. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what it was until I took a geology course. Right. Um, it was really cool. We, I'm sure you could look this up on even YouTube, but take an ant farm and you put different kinds of sand in the ant farm and a little bit of water and you put a little bit of red dye and we were able to like watch the contaminant go through the subsurface. So groundwater is water that is located underground. You know, it's pretty much said in its name, Um, but it moves really slow. So it's not like rivers are running under our feet. This is something that percolates through the soil permeability and it's present in soil pore spaces or fractures in rock that are below surface. So they have a flow and generally speaking, it's usually toward the nearest body of water. So a stream or a river. Groundwater is gonna kinda try and collect and flow with that major source of um, water. So it's really interesting and it's not the easiest thing to remediate or clean up if it gets polluted. So let's recap what we have learned. Groundwater is a major resource of fresh water found underground. 
It infiltrates from the surface into what is called an aquifer, an underground layer of water-bearing, permeable rock, rock fractures, or unconsolidated materials. The study of water flow in aquifers and the characterization of aquifers is called hydrogeology. As Constantina mentions, groundwater is typically flowing towards the nearest body of water, but it moves very slowly. We access groundwater by drilling wells deep into the earth and extracting this resource to use for drinking water and agricultural purposes. Constantina tells us ways that groundwater can get contaminated next. Groundwater contamination from, you know, my years of school and working in the industry for a few, I would say it's bad management practices by businesses and companies and even local communities just having these pathways for contaminants to enter the environment that you wouldn't really think about because you don't really know or don't you don't really recognize that the natural resources is literally under your feet. There are so many ways that groundwater can be contaminated, or what we call point sources of pollution. Um, it really depends on the rock and the subsurface, and if there's soil and an aquifer right underneath, or if the aquifer is 30 feet down into the ground. So it really depends at each site, and many different things can contaminate water and get into it through streams or cracks in the rocks or rivers or a pond that someone has filled up with substances and chemicals that just seep into the ground and eventually will drop low enough that it gets into the water that is located underneath us. You and I had talked about examples of groundwater contamination, and we hit a couple different points, but one that I thought was really interesting was laundromats, specifically, because I had never thought about that before. Uh, just like laundromats, car washes, like simple things that we do every day, we don't actually think about the contamination that happens around us, and I thought the laundromat example was really, really interesting. Yeah, so um, there's actually a database through the EPA that you can look up, and it's actually based on dry cleaners because they use a certain, or most, I would say, the first stage is older, older equipment um, in the dry cleaning industry uses a chemical called perchloroethylene, so PCE or tetrachloroethylene or TCE, so different solutions to dry clean the clothes. So where we come in is we come in and we help you manage these problems. Not only how to be in compliance with certain regulations and implement your best management practices on how to not contaminate the groundwater, but it gets in there through those bad management practices. So if there's a drum of this solvent that's pretty nasty and leaks into a drain that's in your facility, well, that drain can then go into the soil, and that soil permeability will allow for that contaminant to seep down into the aquifer. And that can contaminate these aquifers that, you know, we really didn't think about. And now it's going to be really 
hard and really costly to remediate something that could have been prevented. Hmm. Do you want to talk about best management practices? Just a sure. Couple? So it all depends on, of course, the situation. However, you know, just having an environmental management system, being aware of the waste that you're generating and how it's being generated. First, we know this is how we're generating this waste. This is a really hazardous chemical to our environment. We should do something about this so we don't pollute our groundwater. Let's make sure we have secondary containment around our equipment that's going to be impermeable to any drains or into the soil that can infiltrate the groundwater. Let's make sure we are changing out the filters appropriately and we have our source of chemical or we use a different chemical altogether. You know, I'm sure you've seen them around. I've seen them around town, the green dry cleaners. What are some examples of the remediation practices that you use when you're cleaning up a groundwater contamination? So there's a lot of different ways you can remediate groundwater. Um, you know, once again, it always depends on the site and the conditions, and I think that's very key. If you haven't been able to tell, <laughs> it's very key, and that's one of the coolest parts of my job, though, is I get to evaluate each site for what the site is. Every site is different. Um, but usually, the first step is to drill some wells. See at a certain location what these subsurface conditions are, what type of rocks and what type of layers we're encountering. At what depth below ground surface are we going to encounter an aquifer? Okay, we'll keep drilling lower, great. At what depth does the permeable or impermeable layer hit. We take a core sample, usually, and you classify the subsurface based off of that point. And then so we, we'll drill a whole bunch of wells in a certain area to get an idea of what the subsurface conditions look like. And then from there, we can do different groundwater monitoring and remediation strategies. I say monitoring in the sense that we can sample for certain contaminants, we can pump out water or bail out water and sample it for a certain contaminant or pollutant that we're looking for. And that's kind of the first step is to see what contaminants are present. And then we can go into treatment. We want to monitor it and then we want to remediate it. We can use a pump and treat system where extraction wells capture this contaminated water we pump this water to the surface, usually in a warehouse or something where there are big tanks and the water is cleaned. And then we actually re-inject this water back into the wells so that we're not depleting the aquifer of its maximum volume of water that's there. Um, another strategy we can use, we can do enhanced injection of water which accelerates the flushing of solvents from an aquifer. So you can pump water into a system to dilute it. One of our most common remediation strategies is through the use of a bioremediation system. This is where we inject water that's full of nutrients or food for certain biological organisms to grow in those conditions in the aquifer. And then they break down the solvents while they're in the aquifer or the contaminant um, more rapidly. 
So a petroleum contamination bugs that are going to eat that are going to be different than something that's for metals or something from acid mine drainage. That's so cool. Those are sulfate-reducing bacteria, and I did my undergrad thesis on them. They're very cool. They thrive in anoxic conditions. It's passive. It doesn't require any energy. Wow. These little bugs that just eat away at pollutants. It's timely, but they work. Yeah. Wow. As Constantina mentions, bioremediation is a method of cleaning up contaminated groundwater. This can be sort of hard to imagine if you haven't seen or heard of it before. Constantina talks about this process where the use of living organisms like microbes and bacteria are injected into the well to aid in the removal of contaminants, pollutants, and toxins. Constantina talks about some of the most common contaminants found in groundwater next. I would say maybe one of the most interesting as of late or of recently have been PFAS or PFOA. So those are the, I'm going to let you take a stab at it. <laughs> Perfluoralkyl substances, PFAS, P-F-A-S. Yeah, it can it's, also it's be polyfluoroalkyl, per and polyfluoroalkyl substances. <laughs> PFAS. PFAS. PFOA. There it is. Yeah, you say that, anyone in the environmental world will know (laughs) what you're talking about. Uh, But for those of you who don't, they are one of the most extensively produced and uh, studied chemicals. They really don't break down and accumulate over time. So PFAS can generally be found in food packaging, commercial household products. So like water repellent fabrics and cleaning products to really one of the biggest is firefighting foams. Hmm. So anywhere where you see a fire extinguisher, if you looked at the, you know, the ingredient list, (laughs) I bet, you know, PFAS and PFO would be on there. It's what would be in your Teflon pans. Hmm. Yeah, and I could imagine firefighting foam being a major source of groundwater contamination because that's directly applied to the environment. And especially in runoff, like when fires happen, if we're using PFOS, PFOA to put those out, or really one of the biggest places I've seen PFOS, PFOA being used are at airports, more or less. Hmm. Um, If tires screech and cause a fire, like they're going to have a fire extinguisher on site and they're going to try and put that out quickly. Well, then if it rains and those contaminants get into a stream, that can take it into groundwater and cause sources of pollution from PFAS and PFOA. The reason why these are such a contaminant of concern is because they have shown to impact human health. They have really bad human health, like negative impacts. Hmm. What are some of those negative impacts that they have? Well, one could be cancer, (laughs) right, as always, Um, but effects on your immune system, low infant birth rates, and just developmental issues. Like, they're not a good chemical to ingest. Hmm. And if it's reaching your drinking water source or agricultural fields and your livestock Hmm. is drinking the contaminated water, if you're, you know, in an airstrip out in the country – that will, ha- and then you eat that animal that had consumed that chemical. It's just 
all being passed down and it will show adverse negative health impacts. Hmm. And so that's why it's being monitored at this time. It's actually technically not a toxic release inventory TRI chemical, but it is being considered and they are looking at it because it is so... It's one of the newer chemicals that have shown to have negative health impacts. Wow. So at Save the Water, we have a mission um, not only to make waves in water, in the water industry and and water pollution and contaminants, but also just to educate people and the public on ways that they can get involved in water quality. Um, You do something cool with your company here in Colorado. Um, I know not all of our listeners are from Colorado. They're from all over the world, hopefully. Uh, But what is the, the Colorado, what is it? It's the Colorado Environmental Leadership Program. There we go. Right. So it's a, I think it's a wonderful program that um, Geosyntec, the Denver branch, has been a gold member since, oh geez, 2008. Um, I took over the role of sustainability coordinator and is led by the state of Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment. It's a membership program, a voluntary membership program, where companies, municipalities, and businesses can recognize the positive steps that they're taking to manage their environmental impact. Hmm. We follow a management program, and um, not only are we a part of this group, but we've helped a lot of companies actually become a member. And it's really cool when, you know, you can check out your state or local Department of Public Health or an environment and get involved. Like, see, it's totally public information. So you can go and see which companies are a part of this and then choose to support those companies that have at least recognized that they have an environmental impact, that they want to make sure they're not leaking toxic chemicals into our water resources and if they have a solution or a product that could be hazardous that they're really working to mitigate the impacts that it'll have whether it's sitting in a landfill or spilling into a river these local groups and in this state it's it's a statewide effort um that really holds itself to a standard of these companies that become a part of it. And it's really cool to see how much it's grown and how much even myself as the coordinator for a branch and reaching out and informing people like, hey, there are people who care about this. There are companies who care about this. We should support them. And you should strive to be one of them. That's so cool. I love that. Why is groundwater important? Groundwater is important. I think, because it is the world's largest freshwater natural resource. I specifically said freshwater because it is, and those groundwater resources are being depleted immensely year by year. I mean, we see depletion in in aquifers all the time, and if if there are anthropogenic causes to groundwater pollution that can be mitigated or prevented, then we should really work towards that. 
What advice do you have for young professionals or people who want to get involved in sustainability and water quality and environmental management? Okay. Off the top of my head, I would say go for go for big picture. Go for chemistry. Look at how water works, hydrogeology, hydrology, learn about the water cycle and just have a passion for it. Really? I mean, I we've talked so much outside of this too just about this all the time and I think that's such a key thing is having younger people and collaborating with everyone um, to really just kind of discuss the issues and take a look at it from a problem-solving standpoint and having collaboration with people in the field and, hey, we're all just on the same goal of let's, let's do the right thing and let's protect our water resources because they are so precious. Coco, you're amazing. And thank you so much for coming with me today. Thanks. You're great. I love all the work you're doing. And let's save save the water. water. (laughs) Yeah, let's go. We didn't plan that. (laughs) No, we didn't. Each episode, I will share one interesting fact about water that has been researched and verified by our education team here at Save the Water. So, did you know? It takes about 1,000 years for water to move throughout the world's oceans. In the ocean, there are two kinds of currents, which act like rivers within the ocean. There are surface currents, driven by wind, and deep ocean currents. The deep ocean currents flow because of a difference in density. Cold, salty water sinks, and warmer, fresher water floats. The movement of water throughout the deep ocean around the world is called the thermohaline circulation, and each cycle takes 1,000 years. When the warmer, fresher water reaches the poles, it gets cold and starts to sink. As it sinks, it brings dissolved minerals into the depths. This water then makes its way around the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans, around Antarctica, and through the Indian Ocean. This brings cold water towards the equator, cold water poleward, and helps to balance the Earth's climate. All of us here at Save the Water would like to thank you for your support and for taking the time to listen. As we continue to navigate through these rough waters, the best thing we can do is to stay educated. One of the ways that you can do that is by going to our website, savethewater.org, where you can find more information, content, and ways that you can contribute or donate to the organization. Please join us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter at Save the Water. This podcast is created entirely by volunteers hoping to gain sponsorship for the Save the Water organization. So if you find that this podcast was useful and interesting, kindly donate at savethewater.org or on anchor.fm forward slash save the water. Thank you again and stay healthy, safe, and take care of each other. See you next time.